study of Christ of the book. He is absolutely the theme of Scripture. In the volume of the book, it's written of me, Christ Jesus says. That is absolutely true. He is the theme. Not only do we have the written word that we can study, but we know the living word, Christ Jesus. In the volume of the book, it's written of him. And so we are going through every book of the Bible, and we are selecting, uh, or, or we are searching Christ of the book. This morning we're going to be looking at First and Second Peter, primarily First Peter, because we're going to run out of time with Second Peter. We'll pick back up on Second Peter uh, next week, and we've been attempting to grow to go chronologically through the through the Scripture. And uh, today we're off just a tad because we need to understand that. First and Second Peter were written after Jude and Hebrews and possibly even Revelations. When we get there, we're going to go into a little bit more detail on Revelation. But we're going to look at Jude and the book of Hebrews because it, they were written prior to First and Second Peter. Uh, but First and Second Peter sort of go hand in hand with the book of James. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the book of, of James, and so I wanted to I wanted to look at First and Second Peter as we look at and see Christ of the book. In First Peter, uh, the Lord Jesus is the bishop of our soul. He is the shepherd and bishop of our soul. In Second Peter, he is Lord of all. He is in control, and that's interesting. And it's it's. It's imperative that those uh, that Peter is writing to understand that God's in control, that he's on his throne, and all that's going on is his will and purpose, because in Peter, he's writing to these of the dispersion, he's writing to these Jews he, to make sure they understand why there's a delay. Remember, they were expecting the tribulation to start. They were expecting the day of the Lord. The things that are happening, this, this transition from the kingdom program to the dispensation of the grace of God, that revelation that's given to the Apostle Paul concerning the Gentiles and a body, that's all taking place during the book of Acts, during that transition and there are things going on that's very confusing. Matter of fact, next week we're going to look at Second Peter because Peter even brings that out, that there are things that are hard for them to understand, things that their brother Paul was talking about. Well, what is that? What, what does Peter, what does he mean by that? And understanding this transition, understanding the two programs, understanding the two Gospels that are being preached during that period of time is instrumental in understanding, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, understand this. There is only one Gospel that we preach today. That is the Gospel of the grace of God. That is only one saving Gospel today and that is believing the good news is that if you believe that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again, 
that you are made a new creation in Christ. What a glorious truth that is. That's good news, right? That's good news. But we need to understand that during this Acts period, the apostles, the 12 primarily, well, their, their commission, their marching orders was to preach the good news of the kingdom because that's what they expected to take place. That's what was next was for the kingdom to be established after the tribulation period. Peter had already stood up in Acts chapter 2 and basically told those Jews of Judea and Jerusalem and all the other Jews that had gathered there that this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel concerning the day of the Lord, the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble. All of that was what was on the prophetic agenda after the crucifixion of Christ. And so after that tribulation period, and the purpose of that tribulation period was to draw Israel back to God. The kingdom was offered in Acts chapter 3. We've talked about that before, where they were called upon to repent in order that the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, His physical presence on earth, in Jerusalem, on His throne, ruling and reigning. That's what the millennial kingdom is all about. Christ's earthly ministry uh, after the tribulation period. And so it was during this transition that we have Peter, who was a minister to the circumcision, preaching. We have James, who was a minister of the circumcision. We have John, who was a minister of the circumcision. Jude, who was a minister of the circumcision, all of them preaching the kingdom gospel, but wondering, what's happened? Why hasn't the Lord returned? And next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Both books, like the book of James, were written during the Acts period, and there's written to the scattered, the elect scattered tribes, the elect scattered strangers, literally, or the sojourners of the dispersion. That's literally is what that is. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So he's addressing, he selected the people that he's addressing. These are the Jews of the dispersion, just like James was to the 12 tribes scattered. And it's interesting that John, the book of Revelation, he addresses the book of Revelation to those seven tribes scattered, uh, those seven churches scattered throughout. So all of these are writing to the Jews of the dispersion. Acts chapter 8 tells us, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about the death of Stephen, 
And at that time, there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Because Christ told them to start in Jerusalem. They were staying put. That was their marching orders. So Peter's addressing all of those that were scattered. Look at Acts 11. Acts 11 kind of gives us a heads up as to who they're addressing here. And it is the Jews of the dispersion, those that are scattered because of this, this persecution. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. That's critical that we understand what's going on. And Peter is addressing his writings, his epistles, to all of those that have been scattered. Just like James addressed those also. First Peter was written about 60 A.D. Remember Christ was crucified around 30 A.D. The book of Acts actually covers about a 40-year period. I think I said 30 years last time. Uh, and I was, it's not 30 years, it's, it's 40 years is the number of years that the book of Acts covers. And a lot of stuff takes place during that time. And Peter is writing this epistle to those that are scattered because of the persecution about 60 A.D. He writes his second book about 68 A.D. to those same people. And First, first Peter 1 tells us, to the scattered strangers or the, the Jews that are scattered because of the persecution, the, the Jews that are scattered. Look at 2 Peter. 2 Peter, verse 3, chapter 1, 2 Peter 3, 1. And, and this is important to understand the message and the point of, of First and Second Peter. 2 Peter Chapter 3, verse 1, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. Well, who did he write into the first time? The scattered Jews. He's writing a second epistle, more instruction to them at this time in order to make sure they understood whose marching orders these, these are. It's directed to those. Remember, they were expecting the tribulation. They were expecting, as we're going to see, the return of the Lord Jesus. Not in the rapture. That's what we're looking for, right? That's our mystery exit. We're not expecting the Lord Jesus to return and establish His kingdom on earth. That is not our blessed hope. That is not the coming that we yearn for and long for. Our hope is the rapture of the church, where He takes us out of here the church, the body of Christ, before the tribulation period. And then his second coming is all the way back to earth where he establishes his millennial kingdom on earth. And then all the promises that have been made to Israel by the prophets, more importantly by God, are going to start unfolding where they become that, Israel becomes that nation of priests. They become that holy nation. They become that peculiar people in order to reach the world 
with the truth of who the living God is. And it's during that thousand-year reign that they serve out that purpose as the priest of God. And they go around the world sharing that glorious truth that there is a true God who is reigning from Jerusalem and Him we worship. That's what the Scriptures bears out. The theme of 1 Peter is for the folks, the, the, for them to, for the elders to feed the flock. That is so important that those of the dispersion be fed, that they be understood, that the Word of God is, is taught. Look at 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that should be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Feed the flock. Now, what's interesting about that is that's exactly what the Lord Jesus told Peter to do. Remember, in John chapter 21, he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I like you. He says, feed my lambs. Then the Lord asked Peter again, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know I like you. Actually, two different Greek words. The Lord was saying, Peter, do you, uh, do you love me? Do you, uh, uh, Peter was responding, Lord, you know I like you, using the Greek phileo, uh, not the Greek word uh, love. And so, it, third time, the Lord says, Peter, do you like me? Third time, I think that's interesting. The third time the Lord says, Peter, do you, do you like me? Oh, Lord, you know I like you. Feed my sheep. So, so that's exactly, Peter is taking that message and he's making sure that those Jews of the dispersion, those Jews that have believed the kingdom gospel, these Jews who have believed that Christ Jesus is the Messiah, he died for their sins, that he rose again, that he's coming again, that believed they were in the last days, he is taking that message to feed the sheep, to feed the lambs, to feed the flock, to these people and saying, feed them. They need to know the truth of your word. And I think it's interesting that in 1 Peter, we have Christ being the shepherd, the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 25. Verse 25 says, For we were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of our souls. You ever thought about the work of a shepherd? Boy, he, that's a lot of work. 
That is a lot of responsibility that a shepherd has for his sheep. He has to lead them. He has to direct them. He has to watch over them. He has to care for them. The shepherd has an enormous responsibility when it comes to caring for the sheep. Well, the Lord is the shepherd of our souls, of our lives. But not only that, he is the bishop. That's what Peter is saying to this group. He's not only the shepherd, but he's the bishop of your souls. The Greek word there, bishop, is episkopos. It means overseer. He is the shepherd. That's good news. He's the overseer. That means he's in charge. Follow his directives. Listen to him. Yes, he leads. He directs. You can safely trust in him. He's going to provide the green, the green pasture. He's going to provide the cool water. But he's the boss. He is the overseer. He cares for your soul. So that's, that's the truth that Peter is bearing out as he identifies Christ as the shepherd. The whole point of 1 Peter, the whole point of 1 Peter we have in uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Peter wants them to make sure they know that persecution is likely, and I'm sure they were already facing that persecution. But don't think it's strange when they fall into that persecution. As a matter of fact, they are to rejoice that they can be partakers of that persecution, that they can be counted those who love God, those who are on His side, those who stand for His truth, Rejoice at that. Yeah, the world's going to hate you. The world's going to persecute you. And folks, it could hurt. It could not be pleasant when we take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. The world is going to mock. The world is going to, to laugh. The world is going to hate you. And folks, if you can't see that bubbling if you can't see that coming on, uh, coming about now, then you don't see very well the conditions in which we live today. The world is hating the people of God, whether it be during this time or whether it be in, and under the kingdom program or under this present dispensation program. The world hates you. The world literally has a different system of morality and belief of what's right and what's wrong. And as we've talked about in the past, what you believe, the world looks at as being wrong, literally evil. And what you believe is wrong, they embrace as being absolutely right. And it's just getting worse and worse. But oh, what encouragement Peter gives 
to this group of folks. Go back to 1 Peter. Chapter 1. Starting with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Remember when we talked about Acts, how Christ was the one resurrected, that the, it, how the resurrection enabled everything that happens in the book of Acts to happen, whether it be the empowering of the Holy Spirit, well, well the ascension, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, uh, the healing, uh, the offer of the kingdom, everything that happens in the book of Acts can happen because of the resurrection of Christ. Peter is reminding them of that here at this point. That he has begotten us again. Remember back in John chapter 3, he's going to do it twice in this book. John chapter 3, what did Peter tell Nicodemus? You must be born again or born from above. Peter's reminding them of that. See, Israel was born the first time when they came out of Egypt. When they, they came out of Egypt as a nation. They were God's holy people. They were his nation of priests. As a matter of fact, look at, go to Exodus 19. I don't think I gave you this first, Tim, but I think it's a good one for us to look at real quick. Exodus 19. Verse 5, Exodus 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel as they were coming out of Egypt, as they were being born literally out of Egypt, becoming a nation. They truly was not a nation until they came out of Egypt. They, had, they didn't even know who Jehovah was. It was Moses that had to go in, in Exodus chapter 3 and say, Lord, who do I tell them sent me? It was then that they understand, or Moses understood and teach them, God's covenant name, Jehovah. So they were born out of that captivity. They were born out of that distress. And here Peter is telling them that they can be, he has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Remember when Christ told them, he told them to lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and corruption. Remember when he told them that? Where were they to lay up treasures? In heaven. In heaven. So here again, he's, that, that's where their treasures are. Remember when Christ told the apostles, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place, I am going to have you come up to where I am? Is that what he said? I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place, I will come again 
and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where is he going to be? In Jerusalem, on his throne, reigning. So that was their hope for that second coming of Christ Jesus to establish his throne. throne. All of Peter, because he was a minister of the circumcision. In Galatians chapter 2, we're not going to get into it this, this morning. We might a little bit next week. Uh, but just so you understand that when Paul came down from Antioch to Jerusalem to basically have a strong discussion with Peter and the, uh, the apostles who were there and James, and he came down and he said, look, basically stop sending these people up to Antioch and telling the Gentile believers up there that they have to be baptized, they have to be circumcised, they have to obey the law. They were preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They were preaching those truths that were absolutely truth for the kingdom, but for the church, the body of Christ, that was a gospel that was not to be preached. And I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. I can look out and see some of the people going, huh? But we will talk a little bit more about that because it's important that we understand that the gospel that Peter and the twelve were, were called to preach is concerning the good news of the kingdom. It, it's the good news that Matthew 24 talks about, that Christ says the kingdom of the gospel is going to... Uh, the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached into all the world, and then shall the end come. He actually tells them, he says, when, when, that you're, you will not have time to go to all the cities in Israel before Christ comes back. Was the Lord not being truthful? Well, he was always truthful. Or was there something hid in God that explains this time that we're in that puts in abeyance that program and when you start rightly dividing and you start seeing these epistles where they supposed to be it just makes so so much more sense verse 5 who are kept by the power of God through faith and to salvation ready to be revealed in the last time I think Peter and those here they were thinking they were in the last time. Verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, Yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Chapters, verse 10 through 12 talks about that salvation that the prophets spoke about, that the crucifixion of the Messiah, the resurrection of the Messiah, all these truths concerning his suffering that the prophets had talked about, that the angels desire to look into, literally bow down to appear to find out what all is going on. Verse 13, Peter tells them to gird up their loins and be sober and hope to the end 
for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. All this sitting has to do with those that are going to be, I think, living in the tribulation, expecting the return, the second coming of Christ, and are being prepared for that, and the tribulation that is going to be so paramount during that time. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Peter goes on and tells them to be ye holy even as I am holy. As the Lord says, be ye holy in all manner of your conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, Past the time of your sojourning or your living here in fear. Yet Paul tells us that God's not given us the spirit of fear. There's another distinction. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation or your, your empty manner of living received by the tradition from your fathers, talking about... Uh, the nation of Israel and the fathers there, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The, Isaiah 51, Isaiah 53, they all talk about the lamb to be slaughtered and to be sacrificed, proving that Christ indeed was the Messiah or making sure they understand that point that Christ is the Messiah. Chapter 2, he tells them to desire the milk of the word as newborn babies. Be hungry, be hungry for the word of God. But real quick, I want to make sure you understand that Peter, in talking to the Jews here, talking to them concerning the kingdom, look at verse 4 of chapter 2. To whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed or rejected indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, talking about the Lord Jesus, you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house. Look at this. Kind of gives us a clear indication who Peter is talking to here, the nation of Israel, the Jews in dispersion, with their hope of coming back into the land, with the Messiah returning, a built-up spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded or ashamed. Again, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's from Isaiah 28, 16. God's promise of a Messiah. God's promise to save. God's promise of blessings to the nation of Israel. All of that fits as Peter is writing this epistle to them. Look at verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Does that take us back to Exodus 19? I hope it does. A holy nation, a peculiar people, church, body of Christ, you are not a holy nation. You're not a nation. You're a body. 
And God desires to work through the body of Christ. Where God places you in that body when you by faith trust Christ. He is the glorified risen head. You are in Christ. You are in that body. It doesn't matter if you are Jew or a Gentile. When you believe in this present dispensation, you are placed in that body. You are sealed into the day of redemption. You, you are a joint heir of Christ seated in the heavenlies this very moment in Christ. Your calling is heavenly. That's your calling, body of Christ. Israel's calling was earthly. Blessed are the meek, for they shall do what? Inherit the earth. Their hope was earthly. Our hope is heavenly. Two different programs. And Peter's making sure that those people that he is assigned to, that he commits to go to the circumcision to take the gospel of the circumcision to them where Paul was to take the gospel of the uncircumcision to the Gentiles. Two different gospels. Not for today. If, if you're preaching the kingdom gospel today, do you know what Paul says in Acts, I mean in, in Galatians chapter 1? You're to be cursed. You're to be cursed. If you're preaching the kingdom gospel, which, oh, I've got to tell you, a lot of churches are today. A lot of churches are. And people are confused as to which gospel, which good news they need to believe in order to be saved. How critical is that? Paul says, if you're preaching any other gospel than the one that I've delivered to you, I mean, not me, but Paul, let Paul speak, then let that person be accursed. Again, I say unto you, it was so important, he said it twice. Because that individual's eternity depended on what they believed. If there was a group of these Gentiles in Antioch or in Ephesus or in Galatia or anywhere that said, Okay, I'm ready to be, I'm going to repent and be baptized for the remission of my sins. That's the wrong gospel. If they think that's going to save them, I'm going to obey the law of Moses. I am going to be circumcised. I am going to follow the law. It's part of the kingdom gospel. And folks, they are lost. They are on their way to hell. Because the gospel that we believe today is the gospel of the grace of God. That gospel that was given to the apostle Paul concerning this present dispensation. That revelation that God is in Christ reconciling, reconnecting the world unto himself through the finished work of Christ. That Christ Jesus is offering himself today as the head of the body. By faith believe you're placed into that body. You are sealed. It has nothing to do with what God promised Israel he was going to do. It's all by his amazing grace and by faith we believe. But anyway, a holy nation, a peculiar people. 
that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness unto this marvelous light. We'll pick back up there next, next Sunday because it's, it's, it's just so important that we understand. And then when we get into 2 Peter, in 1 Peter, he is dealing with internal, with, I mean with, with uh, external opposition and the fiery trials and the people and the persecution that are coming. In 1 Peter, he's, he's dealing with external opposition. In 2 Peter, we're going to see he's dealing with internal opposition. Internal opposition. And it heats up. And some of them come and scoff. Where is this coming? How come he's not here? Peter has an explanation. And it's good for us to know what that explanation is so that we can explain to folks today. So we're going we're gonna to get into that uh, some more. The important thing, the important thing to know is that God in His infinite mercy and grace has provided a way for you to be saved, for you to know Him by faith, for you to have a relationship with Him. God the Father, through God the Son, has gone to such an extreme measure in order for you to have that personal relationship with Him that it is just incredible, and it is worth me coming and declaring that truth as the preaching of the cross is to perish foolishness, but to us who are saved, it's the power of God. So it's not for me to stand here and preach it. And it's certainly not foolishness for you to sit out there and listen to it. It's not foolishness for you to say Amen. It's not foolishness for you to get excited about what God's Word teaches us and how we can serve, we can work for Him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and how I pray that if there's anyone here today that does not know you as Savior, that this will be the moment they will understand that they need you. That, Father, not only do you offer such wonderful, abundant life, such peace, such comfort, such joy, but, Father, you save us from hell. You save us from the coming tribulation. Father, you've not appointed us to wrath. Father, there's every reason to have faith to trust in you. Father, I pray there's no one here that believes they have to work, they have to do better, that they have to get right themselves before they come to you. Father, may everyone know that we come just as we are. The only plea on our lips is the plea that we believe, that we trust in the complete and finished work of Christ on Calvary's cross. We believe that the tomb is empty. 
that our sins has been removed as far as the east is from the west by virtue of the burial of Christ Jesus. And Father, we pray all these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Let's stand.